We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. I think he's kind of a boob. Ken really taking the day south as a person. You can't go out there and be a moron it doesn't work like that. The Nightcap. We're eating their food. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Good old Lena Solmark. It's the Nightcap. Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell here on WGR. This is our normal start time. We've already been out for an hour. Bulldog and Sal are down at the WGR Celebrity Roast of Danny Gare. It's a warm-up. what it was. A warm-up. It was a... Uh, you know, I needed a little, little stretch Considering I haven't been on all week, we've had Sabres, we've had Niagara, we got Sabres tomorrow. So, yeah, I needed it. You're trooping it tonight, too. You got a little bit of a bug going around these studios. Dude, the thing about it around here is like one person gets sick and it seems like it just spreads like wildfire. Some people get, uh, you know, left out. There's That's happened to me a few times where like everyone's been sick and I'm just sitting there like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. You hear this, but, Buffalo? Knocking on wood. That's a knock on wood. Um, yeah, because that's you right now. It is. And there right is now. two panels of glass in between us, so you're. I think you're okay for right now. Um, Just you, me, and this brick wall you built between us. That's right. Um, so Bryce Harper signed today. What, what, what's your immediate impact on that? You're the baseball guy here, and you're also the Philly slash Nationals guy. So, like, what's your immediate thoughts, you personally, on Harper going to Philadelphia? Signing. Did not shock me at all in terms of location and team. It's definitely term, leading up to that. Term that would be Philly. is what shocked me. I truth, truth be told, I don't have any archives of it, but I when I worked and was kind of honing my craft at the college radio station at Madai College, we had this discussion because we knew this day would come. We talked about big free agents and 2018. Philly specifically? Was the, 2018, more in a broader scheme, was the bigger free agent class of Manny Machado. Potentially Clayton Kershaw if he didn't get signed. Bryce Harper, and we were all under the impression that Harper was going to get to this, and there wasn't going to be an extension in Washington, and I also, because I have Philadelphia roots, I follow a lot of guys, I listen to a lot of radio, I knew that Philadelphia had been going through some lean years. They haven't made the playoffs since 2011, 500 in 2012, since then, under 500 every season since, and they didn't have a lot of contracts on the books. Going into 2017, from my recollection, I believe it was only their center fielder that was on contract any further than that year. Okay. They added a couple over time coming into this year, traded a couple pieces away. They have extensions on the books now, but they had a lot of money to spend this offseason. I was telling people, they're going to be threats. Watch out for the Phillies. I didn't think stupid money threats like their GM Matt Klintak said going into this offseason, but I, I have been bracing for this day for a couple of years now. I thought it may be earlier in the offseason, but mm-hmm. I knew ultimately 2018 was probably going to be Bryce Harper's last season in Washington, and he, I really had an inkling that he was going to come to Philadelphia. Right. That, that he took forever. And it's been the Phillies, it seems like, all along. So were they working on term? Maybe it was the dollars. They wanted to see what Machado was going to get. Yes. 
I believe it came down to it. It came. It became like a staring match. Who was going to blink first? Machado and Harper. Machado ultimately blinked. Blink, blinked first uh, a week or so ago with San Diego, and here's Harper's time to shine. He took less money per year than Machado, but he has tons of protection for the 13 years of this contract. No trade clause all the way through. Uh, no opt-outs, which we saw in Machado's deal. He can go after year five. So this is a sign that Bryce don't want to go through this again. He wants to be a Philly for life. He wants to have a place he can call home for pretty much the rest of his career. Age 39. We'll see how that goes for him. And, yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can go with this. Well, he's going to a National League team. He's going to be into his late 30s without a designated hitter. There's going to be a, there's a lot of discussion these days in baseball about pace of play. People have thrown around the idea of, hey, not only are the games going long, nobody wants to see pitchers who don't practice hitting come to the plate. Now, mm-hmm. what if in the next few years, like I mentioned with Sal, and we briefly discussed this on Chopin the Bulldog, what if the National League adopts a designated hitter? That only prolongs Harper's career right. in the National League. you got to spell him at age 37, get him out, get him off the field, give him four ABs coming off the bench. 37. Dude, I remember when he was making headlines as like a 15-year-old hitting like 400 mm-hmm. feet, foot home runs. Um, no, th- th- I'm the perfect person to ask this question. Him specifically. I know he's not the best player in the game. But as like a casual observer, he strikes me as the biggest star in the game. Is that wrong to think? Because I, I know he's not the best player. Like, Trout seems to be the best player. But like I think he's the best, the biggest star in the entire sport. He is, I would say, top three, top five. For if he was sure. walking, you put Mike Trout in there, yeah, you'd notice Aaron Judge on the street. I, I don't think I would know, know Mike Trout. If Mike Trout was walking in the Galleria Mall right now, I don't think I would pick him out. There, I think I would for Bryce Harper. Therein lies Major League Baseball's marketing problems. They don't do a good job of helping their stars out. Mike Trout is going to transcend this game when his career is over. He's already transcending the game. You should see some of the players he's going to pass this year mm-hmm. in career wins above replacement. Mike Trout is going into his age 27 season. He's passing some Hall of Famers in terms of what they did over their lengthy careers. He's going into his seventh full season. Eighth, 2012 to 2018. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. He's got a lot of baseball in front of him. Man, the dollars are still there, though. I mean, they're not, they might not be marketing to the same level that the NBA does for sure, and maybe even the NBA, but, or the, the NFL. But, I mean, the dollars are still there. The biggest contract it seems in American sports, like, dollar amount is still there. I mean, what did Rodgers sign for in the NFL? Was it just over 200? Right around there? It might even been under that. I think it was under. They're for still talking about the first $200 million quarterback. I don't think there's been one yet. That's right. And Harper is just getting 330. That's a crazy amount of money. And we were talking about term earlier. Like, we're going to be 36 when this deal expires. Here's my fan theory on why, A, it took too Ooh, long. I love fan theories. And why, B, he may have taken less money for this wacky kind of contract. Okay. So back in 2000, the offseason in 2012, the Miami Marlins, who were at the time Giancarlo Stanton's employer, who, right. if you've been reading, yeah, did yeah. hold the record for the longest contract and most – Money in a contract up until today around three o'clock with three hundred twenty-five million over thirteen years. The Marlins were doing their textbook every three-year teardown of their roster, <laughs> and Jose Reyes, <laughs> Hanley Ramirez, you name it. They were all Mark Burley, pitcher. They were all getting shipped out. A lot of guys went to Toronto. A couple other guys went elsewhere in free agency, and 
the team was stripped to nothing but Giancarlo Stanton. The offseason of 2012, he takes to Twitter. He says, all right, I'm pissed off, plain and simple. He's got no, he's got nothing but double and triple A talent around him going into the 2013 season. So Bryce Harper, however serious this may have been, responds to Giancarlo Stanton. Hey, man, come to D.C. We'd love to put you in the red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. Giancarlo responds, oh, man, I'd love to do that. If only my last name backwards spe- didn't spell out not Nats. Goes quiet. Jeez. A little back and forth feud between a couple okay. of budding stars in the major leagues. Giancarlo signs his extension in the offseason 2014, 13 through 25. Kind of fitting, a little weird. Bryce got the same contract, $5 million more. Mm-hmm. How good a player is he, Harper? Bryce Harper? Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got a couple buddies that are telling me, or just chatting in a group chat earlier, that he is... Like I said, big star, but almost gives you no, like not a lot defensively and maybe overrated as a hitter. I th- How's that think it you? was going to be impossible Remember, for him. Remember, you're a Nationals fan. I think it was going to be impossible for him to meet the expectations that he had coming out of high school. Which were insane. I knew who he, he was. He was on the cover of, of Sports Illustrated. What were you doing at 16? Not that. He was hitting balls 500 Actually, feet at Tropicana enough, Field. I was on the cover of Sports No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think you look back, he's had a pretty solid career. It's it's I don't like I said, he's never going to meet the expectations that were bestowed upon him. Mm-hmm. But he's got an MVP. He's been an all-star multiple times. He's won a home run derby in front of his home fans. He's been to the playoffs four times, no series wins. But you look back, you go on a free agency with two hundred home runs, an MVP under your belt. He just had a season of a hundred runs, a hundred walks, a hundred RBI, thirty home runs. Despite the up and down the up and down season he had, he's still at 250, but he was on base almost 40% of his at bats. Mm-hmm. Even when he's wrong, he can get you right. He can work at bats. It gets him in trouble sometimes. He's gotten ejected because he, he he knows the strike zone. That's a problem. Sure. I've been him. I'm not, I'm not comparing myself to Bryce Harper. When you're I think a player, you, I think you just did. I think you when just, you're a player who knows the strike zone, mark it down. Mark it. <laughs> Kyle Powell just compared himself to Bryce Harper. Continue. Really? No, no, I have added. That's that's about where I was getting. I want to ask you. I want to ask you one more question on this. Sure. I saw that the Phillies are now twelve. I, I I'm in this spot where you know Mike does this. Like I, I need something to get me into baseball. I think I'm gonna try to do a little bit of fantasy, and maybe try to see like who could be some good value to to bet on to win the World Series. I saw the Phillies were twelve to one today after the signing. Like, does he make them that much better where they deserve to be twelve to one? I think he, only the Dodgers, the, the list I looked at, only the Dodgers were ahead of them in the NL. And I think that is fair. I do expect the Cubs to take a step back. I don't think the Brewers have to pitch in to get there. I mean, it's a lot of a lot of pressure on the Phillies, but this, like mm-hmm. I told you, this was their offseason. And for the most part, they've done what they needed to do. They went out and signed. It, it took much longer than people wanted it to, or yeah. probably what they thought. They got Bryce Harper. They got the big fish. They added an all-star silver slugging catcher from a divisional opponent. So now the Marlins don't have him. JT Realmuto. He's going to be playing for your team now. He's got a short. They have a shortstop now. They traded for from Seattle. He led the league in hits, not three seasons ago. Andrew McCutcheon, former MVP, depth in the outfield. Aaron Nola is a budding ace. You got depth. You got Jake Arrieta looking to bounce back in year two of a three-year deal. They got the pieces. They got young young stars in the bullpen. Their All move. Right. 
They have all the pieces. They did what they needed to do. They can still add. Craig Kimbrell's still out there. Dallas Keiko's still out there. Lengthen the rotation. All right. I'm going to keep an eye on that. They might be the team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it for somebody. Uh, speaking of free agency, so John Tavares signed with Toronto in the offseason. Tonight, even though it's already February 28th, this is the first game for John Tavares back on Long Island. And if you haven't been paying attention on social media, especially on Twitter, it is getting rowdy down there. So Tavares for warm-ups. Little plastic snakes being thrown on the ice right around him. As he's walking off, I mean, bo- booze, of course. Like, every time he's touching a puck, he's getting booed. As he's leaving warm-ups, someone chucks a jersey in his direction and just misses over his head. Every jersey that I've seen pictures of has something not nice to say about Tavares. This has been, like, kind of enjoyable, especially as a Sabre fan. Like, we've had our share of guys that left. Breer and Drury especially. A little bit before my time, Hashik. And, you know, we've been mad at guys. I feel for the Islanders. In part. Because they're also in first place. Like, how bitter can you really be when you have 79 points and you're leading the Metro Division over, I don't know, Washington and Pittsburgh? (laughs) Two teams that have cups recently. Like, they're playing really well. And, of course, you're going to... Like, the video video was just nonsense. 12 news for the Islanders. Just a crazy, crazy stupid video. Scripted and just seems so fake. And it wasn't really that funny. And they did that, and, you know, have your fun during the game. I think they deserve to do that when a guy leaves. There there shouldn't be a tribute video. There shouldn't be a tribute video. I don't know if there's been one yet. I I, thought, I saw that there was supposed to be one. I would bet that there was going to be one. Um, But I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done the tribute video if they're going to. You've got a guy that you just know he's going to get booed. Unless that's your goal. Unless your goal is, hey, I want John Tavares to get booed. I'm the GM. I'm the owner. I don't care who I am. I, I'm not a, not a happy place with Johnny T right now. So we're going to put him up on the video board doing whatever just so we can give fans another opportunity to boo at the top of their lungs. Because that might be the moment in the game where he'd get booed the most. Right? They don't really do away introductions in NHL games. Not like the NBA. So that would be the best opportunity to have Leafs or have uh, Islander fans do that. Man, I can't wait to see what it can do. I can't believe that game's also not a national television. You've got two playoff teams, one of which is in first place, the Islanders, and you have the Leafs who are like a serious contender. And nope, we got Bruins Lightning for the one millionth time on NBCSN tonight. All right. Whatever. Just... It's one of the days you wish that they had multiple channels, multiple networks the NHL had signed with. It's only NBC, and they get one game, and a lot of times it seems like they make the wrong decision. But, again, Island Islanders fans deserve to have this reaction on John Tavares. I think I was certainly somebody growing up that would have booed John Tavares if I had been an Islanders fan. I booed Chris Drury. I booed Briere, even though I loved him. I was in a the crowd for a prospects challenge game at Harbor Center, where and like I, I'm not I'm not saying this is a criticism. Like I'm almost proud that this happened. 
Saber fans at a prospect challenge game at Harbor Center in August or September, whenever it is, they booed Will Butcher because he didn't sign with us as a college free agent. That is hardcore fandom right there. We did that. We booed Will Butcher. We booed Jimmy VC. He didn't even he didn't put on a uniform. He was officially on the team for a little bit, or his negotiating rights were at least. We booed Jimmy VC. We booed Will Butcher. I have no problem with the New York Islanders booing John Tavares, who was supposed to be their franchise player, and he left for to try to make a super team in Toronto. Any part of you think he deserves a bit of a break though, because he went home? Like I almost don't want to count that too much, but. He did go home. Should Islander fans be giving him a break because of that? Uh, I no, no, I don't think no. so. No, I mean no. The pajama boy is just such a great line, though. By the way, in that video, pajama boy is so good. Um, so there's that. I want to make one more point on hockey, Sabers related, before we get to a break. I want to get back into some draft stuff later in the hour. So, I haven't had a chance to be on here since the Sabres added Brandon Montour. And I felt as though when that trade was made, everybody suddenly went to, okay, maybe this means the Ristolainen rumors with Tampa are true. And we've had some speculation on that. Brian Lawton, for however reputable he is, I mean, he's NHL Network. Uh, he said on NHL Tonight a couple days ago that he's heard that Tampa was going after Ristolainen. And we had the report from Andy Strickland the day before on that. Montour is a right shot D. Montour is a bona fide top four guy. And that could make a lot of people think that his acquisition makes Rasmus Ristolainen available or makes it so that you can trade him. Beforehand, it was, I only really got Darlene. I What am I going to do? Put Bogosian on the top pair on the right? I don't want to do that. So it seemed like you were trapped with Ristolainen as your number two defenseman and for now your number one defenseman playing on that top pair right side. And playing big minutes. Just because they might not be trapped anymore to hang on to him, I still do not think they should move on from Ristolainen in the offseason. It's not a good idea to me. I think we've done this over and over and over. And someone tweeted it earlier today. It's like the perfect line of thinking for what I think. That when things start to go bad on bad teams... Everybody points to the good players as the problem. Always happens. How we got people, not a lot, they're probably a little loony, but we got a couple people calling blaming Eichel every once in a while for this team's struggles. The guy's like top 15 in the league in points. Top 10 in road points, which they've struggled at this year. He's been phenomenal. You got people blaming him. People will blame Ristolainen until this team is good. To be part of the problem. That man bore four years of the brunt yeah. of some of the worst hockey teams that have ever been produced. Mike Kelly was on our 26 day. minutes a night sometimes. What yep. do you expect Even his more. stats to look like? Right. You can't come out of that alive. Playing, You're going to get eaten alive. Playing, by the way, with Josh Georges for a lot of that as his right. defense partner. Like, what are you supposed to do? And Mike Kelly from TSN and the Point Hockey made a great point with the afternoon show the other day that... You have to think of it this way. Ristolainen, yeah, his advanced metrics aren't always super hot. But what happens if you trade him away and you start to increase the minutes of Bogosian or Scandella 
or take the last five years and take him out and put someone else in there? What do you think their numbers are going to look like? What do you think their production is going to look like? I think Ristolainen is a perfect second-pair right shot D that can play on your second power play unit, can play on your top or second penalty kill unit, can still give you over 20 minutes a night, but is not relied upon to be your number one defenseman. That is perfect for Rasmus Ristolainen. And now that they might have the opportunity to do that, I don't think Montour is some bona fide superstar defenseman, but he's really good. He's really good. Now that you have that guy that's capable of playing similar minutes to maybe what Ristolainen should have been playing, maybe the guy slides back into the role he was meant for and maybe you really start to see the fruits of his labor. That's why I wouldn't trade him. We rushed Tyler Myers out of here because he wasn't a Norse winning defenseman. When in reality, he was a really solid second pair guy. He was, and he's been that ever since in Winnipeg. But because he didn't meet the expectations of the team and of the contract that they signed, he had to run him out of town. And they've basically been looking to replace that ever since. You could have had a solid 1-2 right shot D with Ristolainen and Myers. But it wasn't good enough. And now they've got another opportunity to have two solid guys on that side. And I don't want to see them lose it and trade a guy away in Risto who'd probably go somewhere else and produce just for the sake of making a trade. They should not do that just for the sake of making a trade. Of course, I'll change my my thought process on this. If you're getting something great back, like if Risto's part of a package that's getting Braden Point, sure, I'm on board. But I'm not trading Ristolainen just for the sake of trading Ristolainen. That's what the O'Reilly trade was. And how's that looking right now? Not super hot. It only looks better now because they used that pick to get Montour. Otherwise, that trade was a, almost a dud. But now they have another opportunity to have a real solid top four. I think I, if I'm building a really good team, I've still got holes. i got to figure out what I'm doing at forward past my first line for sure. On the blue line, for the future, I think I've got three of my top four defensemen. I think Montour, Ristolainen, and Dahlin can be three of a really good top four. I just got to find one more. They got to find one more. Gooley's gone, so you don't really have anyone developing that can do that. Like, no way. I, I would be stunned if anyone in the Sabre system right now replaced that. Hey, maybe they can go sign Tyler Mars again. They'll be free agent. But they now have half of a pretty good defensive core. And they don't need to be creating another hole because we all, think, and the GM thinks that we just need change. And Botcher doesn't strike me as that type of personality. He seems pretty methodical and level-headed. But he did make the O'Reilly trade. He did make the O'Reilly trade. 803 is the phone number. We'll get back into some NFL draft talk as we progress here as well. We'll play Daniel Jeremiah on the station here. He was on earlier with Murph from NFL Network. Really good stuff, not just on Kyler Murray, but on what he thought of Josh Allen's rookie season. We'll get to that as well, as well as some Sabre uh, thoughts. And Texter, uh, thank you. No name, but one of the someone on the text line says pilot, and that's right. The guy in the system that could become a top-four defenseman, pilot, is right. Like He should be included in that conversation. Pass that. Probably nothing, but yeah, Pilot's right. 
All right. To the nightcap, Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell. More Sabres and some draft talk as we progress here on the nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the nightcap. Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell hanging out with you on WGR. We're going to get some draft talk in just a second. Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network. Let's continue, though, on our Sabre discussion from last segment, talking about the top four defensemen, uh, bringing in Montour, sending away Gooley, and all of the above. Gene, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on, boys? I just wanted to say, Gooley wasn't exactly our best defensive prospect. I mean, the system's actually loaded with a lot of guys. You have Matias Samuelson, you have Jacob Bryson, Casey Fitzgerald, Will Borgen. Uh, they, like, the Sabres have a, quite a few defensive prospects. and they have, they have bodies. I wouldn't call them loaded, though, because now while you've got a lot of guys who've showed promise in the minors, none of these guys anywhere ever are showing up on lists of like who the top prospects in the league are. Borgen's going to be the closest you get to that, but otherwise these are like middling prospects. Well, isn't that what Gooley was? I mean, he had multiple opportunities to make the roster and couldn't do it. Yeah, no, you're right. You know what? You, you make a good point there. Gooley, I think, became a middling prospect. I think there was a point in his development, like right after his draft, where he kind of exploded in juniors and even got up to the Sabres pretty quickly, where everyone's like, all right, this guy's going to take off, and he just kind of stalled in his development. So, like, he was showing up on, what was it, Hockey News had their uh, future watch, like top 100 prospects, and he was on there. He was low, but he was on there. And it would just be him, it would be Middlestat, and it would be Nylander, and that was like it. And no other prospect on the blue line right now I think is capable of that, other than maybe Borgen. I think, like, you do have a good point. Maybe I should mention Borgen because he's really come along nicely in his development. I don't really want to include the other guys, though. Like Bryson, you mentioned Fitzgerald. Like if those guys even make the league, I think I've won big there. I wouldn't bet on any of those guys making the league. Laxinen is another name I'm looking at the list right now. Like again, maybe he becomes something, but I would take those guys even making the NHL at this point. They're not guys that I'm counting on to be top four defensemen because I think at this point the only guys you can even count on to be on the NHL roster. That aren't in the that aren't on the team right now are Pilot and Borgen. Everyone else, I'm kind of hoping, and I include Samuelson in that too. Second round pick. You never know. It's kind of a crapshoot. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number if you want to get in on the conversation. I want to switch to some draft here though. Daniel Jeremiah had a lot of good stuff with Murph earlier today, um, and not just because it was on Kyler Murray, but also on Josh Allen and what he did in his rookie season. Kind of comparing Murray. To Allen, which we've done a little bit here on the show. So here's Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network with Murph earlier in Indy. Talking with Daniel Jeremiah, analyst for the NFL Network. He's also the radio color analyst for Los Angeles Chargers football out west. This is your week, right? This is when you shine. Yeah, well, that old uh, line, that Parcells line, like that's why you lift all them weights. <laughs> this is why you do all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, I've been watching a lot of tape, so it'll be fun to talk about these guys. And this week is why you watch all that tape. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It strikes me we're a couple days into this that uh, Kyler Murray has become the story, really the focal point of the combine so far. Do you, you agree? Yeah, I think even coming into this, it was there a lot of intrigue. You know, first of all, what's he going to measure? How big is he going to be? Um, then it kind of transitions to what's he going to do here? You know, I, I thought there was a lot of folks maybe a month ago, maybe this was the time he'd have to make the decision. Is, is it going to be football? Is it going to be baseball? He made that decision before we got here to Indianapolis. But he's so unique in his skill set and what he does on a football field. And you throw in the Heisman Trophy and all the accolades that come along with that. It's just there's no bigger star in this draft than Kyler Murray. The measurements this morning, uh, 5'10 and an eighth, 207 pounds, 9.5-inch hands. What do you make of that? Is that pretty much as expected? 
you, I don't know if you'd ever say this in history, but never has somebody been so happy to be five foot ten <laughs> at the scouting combine because we all assume five nine was the number we heard over and over again. Uh, so to come in over five ten, which puts you right in that range of Russell Wilson. Actually, I think he ended up weighing three pounds heavier uh, than Russell Wilson did here. And by all accounts. You know, talking to people there at the weigh-ins said that he carried the weight well. It didn't look like kind of some of the phony weight that you see uh, some of these guys put on here at this event. So he couldn't have done anything more to help himself uh, with what he did at the weigh-in. A concerted effort on his part to put on the weight. Um, can he keep it on? I mean, is there concern about that as he gets into his career that he'll be able to be that size and that bulk for the rest of it? Yeah, you know, maybe a couple pounds. He might be a couple pounds lighter. Maybe you can artificially bump that 202 up to 207. But being over 200 pounds at his size – is, is a big deal. If he would have come in, as some reports during the fall, maybe he's 185 pounds. Man, that's, that's a small frame to be able to take that type of punishment. But from all accounts, I was told he carried the weight well. Various reports as to whether he will run or whether he will throw. What have you heard and what, do you, what would be best for him, do you think? I mean, I think we've read the same reports where it said, I think Ian Rappaport, my, my uh, buddy over at NFL.com and NFL Network said, doesn't look like he's going to throw. I haven't heard yet about the, the testing and the drills, if he's going to do that or not. Man, it... Even if I just make a deal, can we just go run and do all the testing? I'll take that deal. I, deal I'm going to go to his pro day and watch him throw there if he doesn't throw here. But I just want to see something. Um, now, as the week moves along, you hear more and more, and the Arizona Cardinals kind of throw, threw fuel on the fire when they talked about Josh Rosen yesterday. Is Kyler Murray a legitimate, possible number one overall pick? Is there value if he is the number one overall? Yeah, to me, look, I have him as the 14th best player in the draft, but he is so unique in what he does. And with quarterbacks, as you know, it's all about fit. So you'd be hard-pressed to find a better fit than with a team led by a head coach that recruited him specifically for his offense at Texas A&M at that time in Cliff Kingsbury. So I know they took Josh Rosen last year. I, it has to be unprecedented where you would trade a, a quarterback you took in the top ten within a calendar year. But when you come out there and say, as, as Steve Kime did, that he's our quarterback right now, You've cracked that door open for at least a discussion. Now, maybe it's a situation of trying to drive up uh, some interest in that pick. I know today I heard John Gruden talk about, um, you know, maybe the, the potential to make some moves, and they asked him about the number one overall pick, and he said there's a lot of value in that number one overall pick. So this thing could go any number of ways. You've mentioned a couple times, and this is my last question about Kyler Murray, yeah. about his unique traits, his unique qualities. What do you see? What, what impresses you most about his uniqueness? Well, explosive, and sometimes people hear that word and they think you're just talking about their legs. He has an explosive arm. I mean, when you, when you see the ball just jump out of his hand, it's just there's so much twitch and explosiveness in his body. You see the ball jump out of his hand. You see those drive shots. You know, we call them hole shots, cover two between the corner and the safety on along the sideline. You can't fake that throw. You either have the arm to squeeze that in or you don't, and he does it effortlessly. And then you look at when he takes off and, and the damage he can do with his legs. That makes him unique. Now, if he was, if he was 6'2", end of discussion, he's the first pick in the draft. People are fighting to go up there and get him, and that might be where we end up even with him at 5'10". Where would he wind up in last year's quarterback class first, first round? Yeah, for me, I would have had him fourth. So I, I, had, I would have had Darnold, Rosen, Mayfield, and then him. And then I had uh, – actually, I had the same exact grade on him as I did on Josh Allen. So that's, to me, both wild cards. You guys got a chance to see Josh Allen, different packaging, right, with those two players, but unique skill sets. We're with uh, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network. All right, you bring up Josh Allen. You did the Chargers-Bills game in, uh, I think it was September, early October. What did you think of Josh's uh, rookie season, and how did it compare with your pre-draft evaluation? 
Yeah, very similar. You know, we talked a lot about his unique athleticism. We had even made the comparison. There's a lot of similarities to Cam Newton with, with how he plays, with his size and his ability to create with his legs. Now I think they've got a chance to see him there in Buffalo. I think that organization and, and Bean is going to be able to go out there and surround the talent he needs that fits what he does well. Uh, in my opinion, that's getting a track team. You know, get some speed out there because you can run the ball, run the ball, and then with his arm, big chunks. You know, you don't need to have 12, 14 play drives with Josh Allen. You can eat the sandwich in one bite. And as far as guys who can provide those big chunks, who are some of the likely candidates here that you think the Bills will be interested in? Well, there's a couple guys there in the first round if they wanted to go there. DK Metcalf from Ole Miss, who's just a hulking presence who can still fly. Um, Marquise Brown, I know he's got the Liz Frank foot injury, but it sounds like he should be okay, a wide receiver out of Oklahoma for the start of the season, uh, for the start of training camp. Those would be the two first-round guys. And then beyond that, I mean, Paris Campbell from Ohio State, probably in that second-round range. Miko Hardman from Georgia, maybe second or third round. These guys are flyers. I watched the, the Bills at the Senior Bowl pay a lot of attention, it seemed to me, to South Carolina's Debo oh, yeah. Samuel. Not a first-rounder, mm. but a, a pretty good player, right? Yeah, and it wouldn't shock me. There would be crazier things that happen. If he were to fight his way into the bottom of the first round, I, I could see that happen, and I think he more than likely lands in the second round. But he was the best receiver down there in Mobile. It really wasn't even close the way he separated. Any offensive line targets you can envision for the Bills maybe early in the draft? Yeah, I mean, a couple guys intriguing to me. I have Andre Dillard as the top tackle in the draft out of Washington State. When I look at maybe some versatility that would be interesting to Buffalo, you, you look at the kid down at Florida, Juwan Taylor, who I think plays right tackle. I think he could play guard if he needed him to. Cody Ford, same thing, right tackle or a guard. With that type of flexibility, it allows you to get your best five guys on the field. You have an injury, they could easily move inside or outside, and that Bills group up front has got to get better. Daniel, the Bills sit there with the ninth pick in the first round, which seems to me like a pretty good place to be if, if they want to wheel and deal and maybe get some more picks. Yeah, you know, it's interesting where they're located. I would say two weeks ago, you'd be in a spot where people might be coming up for, for one of the quarterbacks. And as every year, those quarterbacks just keep going up higher and higher and higher. They, mo- they might be gone. Those two top quarterbacks might be gone at that point in time. So I don't know if they're going to have those options. I do like how their needs, you know, talking about the offensive line receiver specifically, marry up with where they're selecting. I think they're going to have a good option. I know we mentioned you do uh, Chargers radio, so you're familiar with that roster. I want to ask you about a guy who's apparently headed to the free agent market, Tyrell Williams, who's been yeah. linked a little bit to the Bills. Good fit? What do you think? Yeah, he's, again, somebody that's vertical. You know, you're trying to find a vertical receiver. That's what he does really well. Great size. I thought he developed from last year to this year as an overall route runner. Um, did a really nice job improving in that area. Area. And there's been a little bit of frustration just maybe not playing to his size when the ball's up in the air. Go get it. You're a big physical guy. Go attack the ball. And I thought this year was so much better in that department than he was in the previous year. Potential number one receiver for a team? To me, I think he's a great number two. You'll love him in that role. I think if you put him as kind of that lead dog. Now, he might get paid. He might get paid as the lead dog. Uh, but to me, you're going to want to pair him up with somebody else. Last question, Chargers draft needs. What are they looking for in the next couple months? Well, they've got some needs on the defensive side of the ball, and they've got some needs at offensive tackle. Uh, that offensive tackle, they need a young guy to come along there in that position. And defensively, finding a free safety, which would allow Derwin James to play down in the box, would be big. A linebacker that can cover, and maybe another defensive lineman with some of the free agents they have out there. They're an interesting team. I know you have fun with them. Daniel, thanks for this. Have a great week. No, I appreciate it. There's Daniel Jeremiah with Murph. That was courtesy of One Bills Live earlier today down in Indianapolis. It's the nightcap, Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell here in WGR. They mentioned the Chargers at the end there, and specifically Tyrell Williams. He's getting a lot of talk, and to this moment, I still think pairing him with a rookie, whether it be first or second round, 
is the most ideal situation the Bills could have going into 2019. Like, he's a good player. Not great. Underutilized. I, I still think he could be, like, the next, like, Robert Woods. Not even stylistically, but, like, Woods was a guy that was capable of a bigger role than what he had here in Buffalo. He went to L.A., a team that was willing to give him that opportunity, and he's really he's earning his money. And I think Williams could be the same thing. He The role he plays, vertical threat, they had another guy in that spot with Travis Benjamin. Probably recognize him if you, if you ever saw him playing. Number 11, he might be the skinniest player in the entire league. Like, they had him, just a burner. So, he didn't get a ton of opportunity in L.A. and San Diego, for that matter, beforehand. I really think you bring him in here, make him a number two, preferably, but if you have to make him number one to start, like, he could be a guy that's really going to produce for you. More especially than, geez, some of the other veterans that they've had in here. Because he at least has speed. Sick of the Kelvin Benjamins and the Andre Holmes and the big lumbering receivers who can't get past a cornerback to save their life. Those are the worst. I don't want that. I want guys who can fly down the field. Tyrell Williams is one of that. I still like Hollywood Brown as my favorite receiver in this draft, and I don't have to pick him early. He's an injury now. So that complicates things a little, but he's still the guy I want. And this Metcalf story. We'll, we'll talk about that when we come back. DK Metcalf, the Ole Miss receiver, this body fat thing, his measurements from today, the pictures on social media of him is starting to look a little weird. So maybe we'll touch on that when we come back. Um, one person I did want to respond to when we were having our Sabres discussion from earlier on the text line, uh, someone asked, do you think Alex Nylander will be on the roster next season? And call me pessimistic if you want, but I've never seen anything out of Alex Nylander that makes me think he's going to be an NHL player. I haven't. He's not good enough to be a top six forward, and he's not a two-way player where he could be a bottom six guy. I just would be I would be surprised at this point if he became a real producer for the Sabres long term. I'm I'm I want to move past him. I wanted him traded at the deadline. I didn't need him traded at the deadline, but I'm telling you, man, this is year three. Year four is coming up. Like prospects do not just suddenly show up after three, four years in the AHL and just be top six guys. It doesn't happen. Super, super, super rare. So that's where I'm at with him. All right, we'll talk DK Metcalf coming up next. If you got a uh, thought on anything that was just uh, spewed out of my mouth, go ahead at 803-0550. It's the nightcap, Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell on WGR. I like that Bogo stepped up there and, and, and sent the message, but I just really like the way he came back from that. You know, could, he could have easily went the other way, but, you know, he shrugged it off. He's a true competitor. It was great to see him back playing his game. Sabres coach Phil Housley. Talking about Bogosian going after Ryan Hartman after that hit on Rasmus Dahlin in Philly. It was not a dirty hit at all. At all. Impressionable is what it was. Have you heard my thoughts on this before? No, I have not. Everyone, I think, that's yelling at the NHL for being at fault for like all the physicality, leaving the game, like the hitting in particular, that's leaving the game because players are fighting you after any sort of big hit now, whether it's clean or not. Like, any hit at all, and you got to answer for it. So, if I'm a guy out there, why am I going to go make a solid body check if i got to go fight Zach Bogosian after? 
and I'm not saying this like as a criticism for Bogosian. I like that he did that because it's your 18-year-old rookie and your team gets fired up for that. But it's more of a widespread NHL problem we're talking about. That every time there's a hit, like Skinner accidentally trips, uh, was it Barkov against Florida earlier in the season? And Yandel's got to go after him. Like, it's just going too yes, far. the Yandel nightcap. I do recall right. that vividly. So b- basically, like, the players are going to have to decide. They're either going to continue to legislate the game, hitting out of the game themselves, or like, maybe that's your big, re- your, big, uh, your big reason to eliminate fighting. Because you, you probably see some hits come back, some big hits. If Darlene got hit there, which, like I said, was not dirty, and it wasn't like thunderous either. Like it was a good, it was a good solid check. You didn't get hurt by it. It wasn't dirty. We've seen a lot bigger body checks thrown around the NHL. Now set the rules so that Bogosian can't go fight him. All right. Well. Fine. Now, and if you don't want to answer it with your fists, go hit their uh, young defenseman. Go label Provorov if you want. Like, that's your way of answering it. And then you get more hits. Maybe that's your answer. I don't know. I just think players are... I think players are taking hits out of the game by fighting every time someone gets even touched. We were talking about Nylander in the last segment. Zach's got a thought on that. Let's go to Zach. Zach, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, uh, so I... Real quick, just want to piggyback on what you just said. Sure, go ahead. Uh, the players taking the hits out of the game. Sure. You could also blame the media on that a little bit because if if Darlene gets hit like that and nobody answers, I'm not necessarily saying radio guy, might be newspaper guy, whatever. They, they, they'll they kind of light up the Sabres and say, you know, oh, there's no one answered for it. Hit like that and nobody, nobody answered it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the Nylander point is just to kind of confirm what you said where you got to be pessimistic about it. Because he's playing what should be lesser talented players in the AHL, mm-hmm. and he's not exactly lighting up the score sheet. Nope. Um, I always like to look to um, the NHL equivalency like calculator. Ryan Simpson from the Athletic actually did an article on it, and if you look at it, it, it pretty much calculated bang on exactly what J.C. Middlestad is doing mm-hmm. this year based on the points that he got playing in college. Okay. And I'll just say that it does not look favorably for Nylander, and I would be looking to trade Nylander similarly the way we traded Cashin, which is, you know, send them somewhere else for a similar struggling prospect. I mean, just to throw it out, a name out there and have fun. I mean, if the dream scenario is like you get Yessi Pugliarvi for Nylander, yeah. pull that trigger all day long. Yeah, Zach, thanks for the call, man. I, I, I like that idea. I think you might have to toss something else in to make that work just because Puyarvi was a higher thought of prospect coming out. But, like, the logic does make sense. And I had a stat about this the other day I looked up. It's probably changed since. But it was something like Lawrence Pilot, who's a defenseman, in 27 less AHL games this year has, like, three fewer points than Nylander. Like, yeah, he's playing well in the AHL this year. He's not near what he should be if he's going to be some top six player in the NHL. And you're right. I think he would still have value, as Zach just said there. I think he would. Sure, do that. Trade him in a second for Puyarvi. See if you can do that. The news on him today, by the way, is he's having hip surgery, which is a little worrisome. But if he's healthy, I'd sign up for that trade all day long. Because I got I to gotta get something for that before it goes to zero. 
and maybe it doesn't go to zero, but I think it's trending that way. Just have never been a fan of the player, never been a fan of the prospect, and the production is not there. So what what am I supposed to think? We're going to talk about DK Metcalf here. We'll do that a little bit in the next segment because he is a monster in these pictures, but maybe he's too much of a monster. If you didn't hear uh, Sal earlier on this, I'll, I'll lay it out for you after the break. And we'll hear from Brandon Bean in the next hour as well. So now I cap Jody Bias and Kyle Powell here on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 